Hello, everyone. Good morning. Hey, welcome. Everyone watching online, which I feel as though maybe a higher number today because of the weather. Um, I just want to note that we will probably have a, a few less people this morning uh, because of the weather and it being March break. But I just want to welcome all of you that are here. If this is your first time or you've been here for a while or pursuing the, the teachings of Jesus, welcome to Church 21. We're so glad you're here. Quick rules about masks. Um, they're to be worn at all times unless you're eating or drinking uh, or up here talking at the front. Uh, so when we, when we sing, you'll have to keep your mask on. Um, but that's it. Welcome.
And now I'm going to just turn to some scripture, and if you want, you can go ahead and take a seat and uh, pull out your phone, a Bible, whatever you need, um, as we're going to be reading from Acts 12, verses 1 to 19. Let's see, English Standard Version. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword, and when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread, and when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer was made for him, uh, was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. He said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to an iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was saying at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so. And they kept saying, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries and ordered that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea and spent time there. And now I'm just going to pray. So if you want to bow your heads, close your eyes. Lord, we just uh, we thank you for these incredible miracles that you can perform, sending angels into situations to, to free us from what, what bondage we might be in. And so this morning, we want to be able to be open to, to receiving these blessings and these, these miracles from you and, and to be freed from whatever uh, we might be in. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. We're going to do things slightly different this week. We're going to start off with some announcements. I want to make sure you guys you hear, hear these. This will help the service flow a little better as well. So first thing, if you're brand new here, this is your first time, we want to make sure you get connected to us here at Church 21. We have these contact cards um, at the uh, Hospitality Welcome Center at the back. Please fill one of these out. 
if you are new or haven't filled one out yet. And we also send out a weekly email with very important information to help you get involved in the things that happen outside of our Sunday worship gatherings. And so indicate that you're interested in those to stay in the loop with everything. So please, if you're new, fill out a contact card. And if you have already filled out a contact card and I haven't met you, please, I really want to meet you, get to know you. This is our way of staying connected and growing together as a family. Next, I've mentioned this many times, so I won't go into detail, uh, Red Frogs. There are a whole bunch of events coming up very soon, uh, not this week, but next week. Um, there's way too many things to say about that. All I can say is it's uh, student-focused events. There's going to be thousands of students. Red Frogs is a harm reduction uh, organization run by Christians, and this is an opportunity to serve the students, keep them safe, keep them healthy, give them water during these parties. If you're interested, um, scan that QR code right now. That'll take you to a volunteer form. You can fill that out. And that'll let David Ritz know. There's a training required. Training is coming up. If you are, again, if you're interested in being a part of this, there's stuff happening at my house in my neighborhood on St. Patrick's Day, and there's a whole bunch of other events. The training is not hard. It's only an hour long. Uh, so please talk to me. We'll get you connected to that. We're hoping for a bunch of people to be able to be involved in that. So that's coming up. More details to follow. If Gathering, which is March 25th to 26th, what is If Gathering? It's a women's conference. So women, this is for you. This is a very uh, awesome two-day event for you to increase in your equipping and knowing how to go about the Great Commission, what God's called us all to. Um, the first one on Friday night is going to be uh, online, but the one on Saturday is going to be in person. Uh, registration online is required, and that's $10. If you have any questions, uh, you can either talk to Jess today or talk to me or email Jenny Fulford if you know her email. I'm not going to say it because you won't remember it. Um, next, we haven't mentioned this in a while, and I know how much I need this. I know how much those who are doing this have benefited from this. Change groups. Really simply put, it's your opportunity for deeper growth with one, uh, with one other person or two other people. So groups of two or three, guys with guys, girls with girls. You meet weekly for not a lot of time. You can either meet online or in person, but it's to keep each other accountable, to read scripture together, to pray together, to encourage each other. This is one of your best opportunities to share what's on your heart, to grow, to express pains that you're going through and to have someone that is there with you and those things are between you guys to grow together. We need this. Uh, so I've actually created a, a list in the back. If you're interested in change groups, you're not signing up, but please just put your name and your phone number and I'll help you guys get connected to that. So it'd be awesome if all of you could be a part of change groups. And we have like structure and, and material that you can base that off of or you can just make it completely your own to just meet regularly and grow together. Uh, next, music team. Thank you so much, music team, for uh, leading us that first song this morning. Uh, if you are musically gifted in any way, singing, kazoo, maybe not kazoo, drums, guitar, violin, anything, um, even trumpet, hey, that would be so cool. If God has gifted you uh, with a musical ability, please uh, either talk to anyone on the music team or Shayla or myself, and we will get you connected. Auditions can happen at any time, um, but there's a... Um, a, form, um, a sign up form, I'm losing the word for it. There's a thing to fill out to tell us a bit about yourself. Application, thank you Dwight. There's an application to fill out. Uh, don't be daunted by that, but we really wanna grow our music team. So if you have that gifting, don't be shy. And if you're not available super often, that's okay. You can just serve every once in a while. So please come talk to us today about that. 
last uh, is our is the first Sunday of the month, so we're giving our financial update. As you can see on the screen, uh, all those details, you might be wondering, wait, wait, what's that? Pay attention specifically to where we're at right now, um, our income versus our budget. So we're actually running at about 53% income versus budget. And that's okay. That's normally like that in the beginning of the year. Uh, but I want to note to you guys is for those that um, have been giving to the church, um, keep doing that. And so great. That's what allows us to use the space and do events and things like that. Uh, we need uh, committed tithers to the church. Um, and also a lot of gifts come later in the year. Uh, but I encourage you guys, don't forget uh, to be tithing as your um, part of belonging is through through giving. So just an update on that. I don't need to go through any of the details on the screen, um, but we're praising God with how he has supplied thus far, and I encourage you guys to pray about how he wants to use you in the ministry of Church 21. That's it for announcements, and up next is Dwight for a sermon. than here and I, I was walking down our driveway and almost fell several times and it was just all ice uh, the whole way the whole way in here this morning. So for those of you who are here, amazing. For those of you who are watching, uh, maybe you're wiser than we are. I don't know. Um, but I just wanted to make mention of this as well. We're not going to have an online support group uh, after our, our time like we have for the past four weeks. And this is really the last week that we're going to run uh, in this in this fashion. Uh, we've been calling ourselves support groups. We've intentionally changed some things um, so that we could be able to continue to gather as, as a people. But for the weeks that uh, we were not allowed to be a church, we, we weren't. And so now we are the church. And if that's confusing for you, I know. Um, that's okay. We're moving past that. And uh, we're, we're moving on. So we're in the book of Acts. We're going to be looking at the passage that Nate read for us this morning. And we're going to be talking about freedom. We're going to be talking about freedom. So let me pray, and we will move into uh, this. Jesus, you said uh, that uh, if the Son of Man makes you free, you are, you are free indeed. And that's true of all those who are followers of you, that we are, we are free. We might feel bound because of... Uh, because of government or because of a job or because of our program that we're studying or because of a, a whole host of variables that we seemingly can't control. And we, we, we feel so often that we're not really free, but we are free in you. And we're free to do exactly what you want for us to do and be exactly who you want for us to be. And that's, that's really where the rub is, Jesus. It's, it's the, the frustrating part of our wills and our desires coming up against your will and your desire. And, and we want our will and our desires to be freedom. And yet for so many of us, that's actually returning uh, to bondage and returning to chains and shackles. So this morning, Spirit of God, would you please uh, remind us of the freedom that we have in Jesus? And would you free us from things that we might have returned to, um, to bind ourselves again? We love you. And we need you for everything this morning. Amen. All right. So freedom. How many of you like freedom? Love freedom. All right. Love freedom. Um, 
Freedom can be expressed and experienced really anywhere. It's not this thing that only when you climb up on top of a mountain or you're in the middle of nowhere where no one is, you feel like you can really be free or when you move out of mom and dad's house that you can be really free. Freedom can be experienced anywhere and in any circumstance. Uh, The boys and I, my boys, Malachi, Nehemiah and I, I, discipling my kids is so important to me. So being a good dad, uh, I, I showed my boys Braveheart this past week, right? And fast forwarded some parts, okay, but uh, anyway, we watched it. And, and then talking about William Wallace afterwards, it, just absolutely epic, proud dad moment for me. They like you too, and they, they like Braveheart. I feel like I'm doing well as a dad. Um, but this is a quote from William Wallace, and if you've seen the movie, um, you know this is when he rides... Mel Gibson's William Wallace, right? And he rides up in front of the the Scottish army that's come out, which are really kind of like farmers that are just down to fight any time. And he comes out and they're trying to figure out what they're going to do. And he kind of takes over the whole dialogue and he owns the the whole scene. And he says this, because they're getting ready to leave and go home. And I'm not going to do a Scottish accent because I would just butcher it, right? But I, no, Fight and you may die. Run and you'll live at least a while. And dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to that for one chance, just one chance, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives? If you know the movie, you know this line. But they'll never take our freedom. They'll never take our freedom. They, they didn't have freedom. Literally, they were under uh, England rule. They didn't have freedom, and yet they're saying, no, we're free. Like, we're owning that freedom, and we're going to move into that freedom. And then at the very end of the movie, if you haven't seen it again, it's your fault at this point. This is like from my secondary school days. You really should have seen it by, by now. But at the very end, I'm going to ruin it for you. He, William Wallace loses his head. They don't show that, okay? But he loses his head. And the, the one who's putting him to death leans down and says, oh, the prisoner wants to share something. And then William Wallace screams out freedom, right? And then in 1314, uh, the Scots were granted uh, freedom. But it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating when you meet someone so free that you can't do anything to change them. At least when you're the king of England. And you think, I'm going to take your life. I'm going to own you. But they're so free that they're willing to lose their head for that freedom. And God tells his people that we are free. If you are part of the people of God, if you have submitted to King Jesus, and he is the ruler of your life, you are free. Like freer than William Wallace and the Scots free. And this morning, I just want to give you permission. It's like really dark outside and the weather's not encouraging. Uh, I want you to be free to celebrate, okay? It's, it's okay to celebrate and even in your heart to be like, mm, this is good, okay? But to celebrate the reality of who we are. Because I think that so often we like to intellectualize so much. We like more information, but information should lead to transformation and celebration. And it can lead to spontaneous celebration as well. But you are free this morning. Listen to what Paul uh, writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. He says, For freedom, 
Christ has set you free. Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You're free. Don't go back to living alive enslaved to, to other things. You're, you're free. Don't go back to bondage. You're free. And so that's my prayer for this morning is that we would experience that freedom and be reminded of the freedom that we actually have and that we leave here living lives of freedom the way that Christ Jesus wants for us to live these lives of freedom. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 12. Let me catch you up in, in Acts so far. Uh, the church has been growing fast. The church started with about 100 people inside of a room praying. The Spirit of God comes down on those people, transforms them. They go out. The first thing they do is they start proclaiming some of them in different languages than they've ever spoken before about who Jesus is and what he's done. And on that day, 3,000 people, I I would assume around 3,000 people, come to know Jesus and are baptized that day. Now that's an organizational nightmare. Getting these little communion cups to however many people are here sometimes is a nightmare, right? Baptizing 3,000 people, that's a mess. We've baptized, I think, 17 people in one day before, and um, that water's really dirty at the end, like super dirty, and you're kind of apologizing. You're like, no, 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 this is really special. And like, I don't know if I want to get in. I'm like, no, no, it's going to be great, right? You, you can't change the water in the middle. But the church is growing fast, and it's now going global. It's moved very quickly. And the church went global because of persecution. Persecution came to Jerusalem, and the church that was in Jerusalem dispersed and started going into the surrounding regions and telling people about who Jesus is, and they too became followers of Jesus, were baptized, and now belong to this global church that was forming. But now we hone back into Jerusalem, and in Acts chapter 12, we we come to another persecutor. We looked at a persecutor named Saul, who actually became a follower of Jesus, named and he had his name changed to Paul. But we see a different persecutor, someone that wanted to destroy and snuff out the church. And, and if you know anything about history, there's always someone trying to snuff out the church. Always someone trying to show how powerful they are against these so-called movements of God. So we're going to encounter this guy named Herod. Acts 12, verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John. Now, James was one of the original 12 apostles. He killed him with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. I don't need to talk much about this, but the, the killing of James really pleased the people. And Herod was a ruler that loved the acclaim of the people. He, he loved more followers, right? If he was on social media, he would love the followers. He would love to see how many people followed him. He would create charts and graphs. Like he was a people pleaser. For as much power as he had, he loved pleasing the people. And so when James got aroused out of the people, killing James, he went after the leader of this whole thing, Peter, to kill him also. He wanted to show and flex his power over this so-called movement of God. 
And it seemed that this so-called movement of God was only as free as Herod would allow them to be. It's kind of like during COVID, okay, and I know we're still in that, but it's kind of like if the government says, hey, you can only do this much as the church, we feel like as a church we can only be so free. And if we think of church as just gathering inside of a building, then yeah, we're only so free. But the church is not the people gathered inside of the building alone. The church is a people of God, full of the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that came on that first hundred people in the book of Acts and transformed the world. So we're not, we're not free as the government says we're free. We're not free as Herod says we're free. We're free as Jesus says we're free. And we need to remember that as the people of God. Our freedom is as Jesus wants for our freedom to be. But it did seem only as free as Herod would allow. And it seemed like Peter had run his course. In fact, Jesus told Peter that you're going to die for me. So Peter knew this day was coming. He just maybe didn't think it was going to come this fast. But here's the thing that was going on. The end of verse 5, it says, well, verse 5, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Herod had, had imprisoned him, but the church was gathered together praying for Peter. Now, what do you think they were praying for? Yell it out. What do you think they were praying about? Freedom. Freedom. Yeah. What else? If you didn't get free, what would we pray for him for? Safety. Okay. The what? He wouldn't die. All right. Let's say he is going to die. What would we pray for him for? Peace. Strength. Don't deny Peter. Come on, Peter, you denied Jesus before. Don't deny him this time. Keep your eyes fixed and focused on Jesus, even as you're taking your head, if that's what it leads to. Faith, that's right. What? Courage, yes, good. All these things. But probably no one prayed specifically for what happens. Probably no one was anticipating how the freedom was going to happen. And so as we get into this, we need to remember this isn't just a little storybook that we read before we go to sleep. Right? Sometimes I, I read the girls, uh, what is it, Beatrix Potter uh, books. Not Harry Potter. I think that's it. Right? Like Peter Rabbit and all that stuff. Uh, so I read them that, and, and sometimes the stories are just so outrageous. You know, I'm like, this truly is a bedtime fairy tale little story, right? But this isn't that. This isn't that. This, this story shows us a, a God who, who is able not to just give us a little story of neat principles, but a, a God who is able to move despite any opposition and circumstances that we find ourselves in. Like, this is the type of impossible stuff that we looked at last week as well, praying for the unbelievable to happen. This is the realm that God moves in. And we need to be aware of the power of prayer. Some of us feel uh, like prayer is just a list that we get through. Prayer is something we're supposed to do. But these prayers that are being prayed free people. Like people are actually freed from literal chains. 
the prayers that come off of your lips or you don't even know how to form them into words and sometimes they come out as groans and aches and moans. The Spirit of God takes those and interprets them into prayers, sends them up to God and he says, yes, I'll answer that. The prayers that you pray are powerful. The Lord uses them. Now listen to Acts 12 verse 6. Now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. Peter's as good as dead, bound in chains. If you're there, you know death is coming the next day and you have two guards sitting next to you and you have these big chains on you. What do you do? What are you doing that night? Freaking out. Yes. Great answer. What else? Praying? Yeah, that's good. What would you be doing? Wondering why? What? Pleading? Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would get my preach on. Not, not necessarily preaching about who Jesus is, but I would be trying to reason out with these soldiers why it was a really bad idea for them to do what they're doing to me. Right? And I would just be speaking at them all night long. Because I, I think sometimes that I can control the situation with my words. Right? Are you like me? You're, you ever told no from someone and you're like, oh, but hold on. Is that a real no? Like, let me push on that a little bit more and we'll see. Right? That's the way most of my life is lived. And that's what I would probably be doing. But what's Peter doing? Sleeping. Not just like the little like nap, like uh, resting my eyes. Like passed out, gone, absolutely gone. Another time we see sleep like this in the New Testament is when the the disciples and Jesus are caught in a storm. And if you're caught in a storm and people who are used to being on the water start losing their minds and freaking out that we're going to die, you're probably going to die, right? Focus on them. If they're peaceful, okay, I can chill. If they're freaking out, we're going to die. Where's Jesus? Sleeping. They wake him up. Jesus, don't you care about us? We're going to die. Jesus stands up and says, oh, you have little faith. And then he speaks to the wind and the waves and both stop all at once. Just absolute, complete trust. Now, Peter was on that team that was freaking out in that moment because of the circumstances. But what is Peter doing on this night full of the Holy Spirit? Sleeping just like Jesus. The Spirit leading Peter, just rest. What this shows us isn't that Peter is exhausted. It shows a radical trust and a freedom to even be bound and be the freest person alive. It's that weird thing that as you watch the end of Braveheart and he's about to lose his head, he cries out freedom. It's like, no, you're, you're not free. It's the opposite of free. That's what it seems like in this text too. You're the opposite of free. And yet Peter is the freest person alive in this moment. Now how many of you want that freedom? That type of freedom to be stuck in any circumstance and being able to not have your mind race or not be controlling or not be losing your mind over this but to be able to have the deepest sleep possible. Truly acknowledging. Do you know what sleep does? Sleep is recognition and acknowledgement that I am not God. I am not God. 
and I can chill, and I can go to sleep, and he will take care of everything as he wants. You see, we all want real freedom. In fact, you were made for it. And it's not the superficial, one-dimensional freedom, like freedom of parents' authority or freedom of, of vocation. I want to work at home, not in the office. Not that type of freedom. But the real freedom where there is no bound, nothing binding you anymore. You see, uh, those, those one-dimensional escapes or arrivals into those places, those are really just another prison that you're making. You so often think that when I finally get to that place, then I'll be free. And you find out and you're so disappointed. And you find out that now I'm bound by this. And how am I going to get out of this? And then someone presents you with another, another prison down the road. And you're like, oh, when I get to that prison, then I'll be free. And you get there and you find out, ah, there's more, there's more shackles here. And I feel even more bound than I did before. Escape or arrival into anything other than Christ's will for you is prison. But if Christ's will for you is prison, then you can be the freest person alive on the earth. Now, a miracle happens. We, we, we read it, but I don't... Oh, these are frustrating things, aren't they? Because we read these things and we just... If you know the story, we just become so familiar with the story that we, we miss the reality of this. But let me read it. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him. And the light shone in the cell. How do we know that Peter was deeply asleep? Well, the angel of the Lord struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. The angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real but he thought he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And then it went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. How hard was Peter sleeping? So hard that the angel had to come in. And this is, this is like the word for slugging someone. It's like, wake up, Peter. You know? He's like, oh. Some of you feel like, oh, the Lord really hit me across the, the face with this truth. It's like, well, that's not how the Lord normally works. But when you're Peter sleeping in that type of confidence, it takes an angel slugging you to wake you up. And as Peter wakes, he doesn't even know this is really happening, right? Because he just saw a crazy vision that we saw in Acts 10 last week. And the chains just fall off. And you expect, like, I walk quietly in my house waiting for someone to wake up, right? And you hit the wrong, the wrong board and you're just like, oh, someone's going to wake up now. And chains, loud chains fall off. And I imagine Peter looking and being like, these guys aren't waking up. This isn't real. It's not normal. Something is happening. And he gets dressed and then he follows the angel out of there. And this is a very real picture for us of what happens to us when we meet Jesus for the first time. You've been shackled your whole life to rebellion against God. You've been shackled your whole life to what we would call and what the Bible calls sin. Not just sin like you did bad things, but that it's your position is, is anti-God. You might want to do good things for God so you can show God how worthy you are, but even that in and of itself is rebellion because you can't be good enough or show God how good you are. 
And so we have these, these shackles and then Jesus comes in and he takes off our shackles and we find out that we're free. And we see our, our nakedness and we're like, oh my goodness, I'm ashamed of this. And Jesus takes his right standing, his righteousness, and he clothes us with that. And then he says, come out and follow me. What happens to Peter here is a very real picture of what happens to us when we meet him. And don't ever forget that, that moment when that happened. The way I tell my story, and I won't tell it this morning, but it was like Jesus broke into my apartment at three in the morning one day and, and brought me to life. It was like he helped me see my death and what I was living and freed me in that moment. It was, never forget that night. Don't forget the night that, or the morning or the day that Jesus did that for you. But Peter, he thought he had a vision. He knew it was real after he walked out past the, you know, the, the sensor door that opened up, which the, those automatic doors didn't exist back then, right? And it just kind of automatically opens for him. But then what was he supposed to do? Like he's really free in this moment. What was he supposed to do? Look in, in verse 12 of Acts 12. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. What does he do? He's an escaped convict. Where's he going to go? Well, he goes to the prayer meeting where all escaped convicts go, right? Goes to the prayer meeting. And then this, this is hilarious. They're praying for Peter to be released. And look at what happens. When he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. Recognizing Peter's voice, in her joy, she did not open the gate but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you're out of your mind. But she kept insisting it was so, and they kept saying, it is his angel. And, and Rhoda, rather than just going being like, I'm going to open the door and let him in, she keeps saying, no, 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 believe me, believe me, believe me. Amazing. And then verse 16 and 17. But Peter continued knocking, and when they opened, they saw him and were amazed, but motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison and he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. And then he departed and went to another place. Everyone was amazed at the miracle of Jesus freeing Peter, seeing the absolute power and sovereign authority that Jesus has. And what does Peter do? Peter doesn't hang out and stay to talk more about what, what took place. Peter didn't, didn't go into a place all by himself and say, oh, I'm so amazed at the miracle of experience. Peter sees this as a normal thing that Jesus does and he keeps moving on to tell more people about who Jesus is and what he's done. You haven't been freed so that you can quarantine yourself from other people. You haven't been freed so that you can sit up in your house or your apartment, distance it. Now, don't hear COVID stuff in this, okay? It's not me talking about that, okay? Move beyond that, all right? This is, you have not been freed so that you can just be a good Christian boy or girl and do all the right things that you're supposed to do, never declaring that Jesus has freed you. You've been rescued and freed so that you can go and show and tell that you've been rescued and freed, be, that you've been freed. And if God can do that with you, then he can do it with anyone. How do I know that? Because you are the worst person that's ever lived. 
I don't even know you and I can say that. I can make that claim too because I know my heart. I even know when I'm, I'm doing good things with bad intentions. Right? We know ourselves at that level and it's frustrating. But the good news in all of that is that Jesus knows that stuff too and he came for you. He came to free you so you don't have to be defined or live out of that reality any longer. You see, what happened to Peter um, can happen to you as well. Peter was freed spiritually and physically. Peter found his freedom in Christ. Peter was living out of this new man that he really was. But here's the thing. Jesus has freed you as well. If you're a follower of him, you're really free. And do you know what happens? We have a very real and active enemy that wants to convince you that the chained life was better. That the chained life was better. That Jesus isn't safe. You can't really trust him with those things. Okay, okay, yeah, you can trust him with being rescued and and spending eternity with him, fine. Yeah, trust him with that. But you can't trust, trust him with your comfort. You can't trust him that you have to wait for that thing. If God really loved you, he wouldn't make you wait for that thing. If God really loved you, that thing wouldn't be off limits, right? If God really loved you, you could just carpe diem your life away. Seize the day the way that you want to. The enemy also loves to take advantage of us in areas of weakness. You'll always struggle with that addiction. You are that addiction. You're never going to be free. Everyone else in this room is free, but not you. Have you heard that before? Those are the things that he likes to say. And the enemy always uses an accusatory voice, which says, you. You know what the Holy Spirit never does? He never takes your face and says, you are disgusting. Look at all the things you've done. You know what the Holy Spirit does? He takes your face off of the things that you've been looking at and pursuing and he puts them on Jesus. He says, look at, look at him. Look at what he's done. The enemy takes your face and pushes it down deeper and says, you need to hide that. If anyone knew that about you, they would never want to be your friend. They would never let you be part of this church. They would never invite you in deeper. You're disgusting. The Holy Spirit says, I want to free you from those things because you're already free. What we also see in this passage is that Peter is juxtaposed with Herod. Herod tried to put Peter to death, couldn't do it. God frees him. Herod thought he was free and yet he was really enslaved to pride and ended up killing him. Listen, Acts 12, 21 to 23. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God and not a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Why did Luke, the author of Acts, find it necessary to put in that he was eaten by worms? I don't know. But that's when we think we're free and we're not really free, that's where we are led to. A life where, where we absolutely are forgotten. A life where, where we're so consumed with ourselves that we end up being consumed with, with other things and by other things. 
the same angel that released Peter killed Herod. See, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. The Spirit of God wants you to be free. You don't have to live like Herod. You don't have to be enslaved to the approval of man or men and women. You don't need to live for the comforts that you can receive in this life. You don't need to live for the control that you're vying for on a daily basis to try and order your life in such a manner that you feel like you can usher in sleep on your own. You don't need to live for the power and and scratch and scrape and push people aside for the power that you can have in this life. You can give all that stuff up and live the freest life that any person has ever lived. You're really free. You're really free. We want you to be free and to let God's spirit and his word move, multiply in you and through you. And I'll end with verse 24. After Herod died, it says, but the word of God increased and multiplied. This guy that tried to snuff out this work of God gets eaten by worms. But the movement of God multiplies and keeps going on and increases globally. So here here are the questions. Are you you in bondage today? Are you in bondage in a specific way? I don't don't know what that is. But are you in bondage? Do do you find uh, that anxiety rises in you when you're in front of a certain person? That you're in bondage to that person. That that person controls what, what happens with your life? Are you in bondage? Are you in bondage to pornography? Are you in, in, in bondage to a certain substance? Are you in, in bondage to whatever it might be? Right? I'm going to run out of examples, but if you are in bondage to something, you probably know it. I don't need to give a list of things to be like, oh, that's it. If you're in bondage to something, you know it. Because you have to orchestrate your life in such a way that you're able to hide that thing from everyone else. Are you in bondage to something? If you're a follower of Jesus, Jesus went to the cross for you and rose from the grave for you so that you could be released. Have you been released? Are you living in freedom? If you're not, well, there's freedom today. Give your chains to him and say, I want out. I want out. I have a little tattoo here that just says free. And I got, uh, the, the person that tattooed that on me was a former alcoholic who'd become a tattoo artist. And we were talking about our freedom stories. And he shared with me how I became free from alcohol. And I shared with him how I became free from myself. He's talking about how Jesus has made me free. And so this is so important for me to get to look down and say, that's right. You don't need a tattoo to remind yourself that you're free, right? But that we're really free. And you don't need to put the chains back on. When Peter was in there and the chains dropped, you know what he didn't do? He didn't, oh, that's weird. These chains must be broken. He didn't reach down, put them back on, and they're like, oh, I'll fix them tight this time for him. No, he got up, got dressed, and walked out. This is the type of freedom that Jesus invites you into. But this is going to take a fight. 
This is going to be a fight. This is the spirit like William Wallace riding in front of you, but not just saying, watch me as, as an example, but he enters into us and he says, I will fight with you and for you. But it's going to be a fight. We're going to put to death the sin that so easily entangles us and wants to bind us. And we're going to say no to the enemy when he tempts us into the flesh, when he woos us. We're going to say no to those things and we're going to live lives of freedom. Do you want to live lives of freedom? Yes. Jojo and I want to live lives of freedom. We're going to fight for that. and We're going to pray for you all. Does your pride... Does your pride keep reeling you back in? Because we have lots of different groups as a church. Uh, we have a group called Conquerors Group. So talking about pornography, uh, if, if you struggle with that, we have a group for that. Where we put that to death with the power of the gospel, but also friendship. Those change groups that Evan was speaking about, so important. And I wish we could just call them friends, but then people would be like, oh, I have friends. Like, oh yeah, I guess we have to call them change groups, right? But we want you to have a friend that's going to help you um, because pride wants to, um, it wants to keep you from sharing what's actually going on. Because pride wants to say, you're not that bad. You've got it under control for the most part. Don't worry about it. You don't need to share that with anyone. Just keep that tucked down. And then usually what ends up happening is 10 years later, you end up in my office or a counselor's office talking about all the ways that you're frustrated with everyone else because you buried that thing and you've been agitated and frustrated with people who have tried to draw it out. Does your pride keep reeling you back in? Well, Jesus died for your pride and the new you is alive and can be active and moving. And then the last thing is that we want to pray today for our city our city, my goodness, our city is enslaved to making a name for itself. Do you remember the city Babel? If you don't, if you don't know the story, you've probably heard of Babel. Um, Babel was a group of people that came together and they wanted to build this big tower. And I remember being a kid, hearing that story and being like, what a silly idea. Like, why would you all come together just to build this tower that's going to get into the heavens? That's, you're not going to make it, Right? But it wasn't necessarily how high they were going to make this building. It was to make a name for themselves. To be able to look at that thing and say, look, I did that thing. I'm, I'm worth something because I did that thing. And all the people came together to be able to do that. And what Tim Keller says about that, that passage is that the reason why they wanted to make a name for themselves is because they didn't know who they were. And when God saw that building... Do you know what he did? He confused their language and didn't let them continue on. Because he's such a good God that he wasn't going to let them continue on in rebellion to him, trying to find themselves by you doing you. Right? He confuses them and helps them stop that work so that they could find out not who they were, but who he is. And in finding out who he is, they could truly find out who they were. And the good news is that God loves you so much that he will take the little babbles that you're building in your heart and he will tear them down so that you get him. All the ways that we're trying to make a name for ourselves, he will frustrate those because he loves you. And that's oftentimes where we feel like, man, God can't love me because God keeps frustrating these plans. But no, that actually is a sign that he deeply loves you because he wants you to have him more than his stuff. 
and you're trying to make a name for yourself and the way you're organizing his stuff. And he says, get me first and then hear what I want you to do with my stuff. Freedom is offered. Freedom is offered to our city. And I'll really end with this. What would a, what would a, a free city look like? Because sometimes we feel like we're free. Um, I saw a, a picture, very covered up picture of, um, it was from a pastor in Melbourne, Australia. And it was like the n- nudist bike day. And he's like, well, Melbourne is coming back to life. How do I know that? Well, the nude cyclists are, are back out riding in freedom. That's probably not what a free city looks like, okay? It's not what we're going for. Uh, but Galatians 5, to 25, I think if we see this in our city, this means Jesus is, Jesus is winning over Montreal. And this begins with us. And this isn't us trying hard to get this. It's that the Spirit of God produces this in us. And he does this as we realize how free we really are. And we stop living lives plugged into the wall on our own support and start living lives that are plugged into him. Here it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Don't you want to see a city with real love? Not selective love. Not passport love. Not we'll love you if you meet our criteria, but real love. I want that city. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. Relational happiness is what joy is. I want that city. And it's peace. We're not fighting with one another. And it's patience that I'm going to wait for you to come around to see not my way, but his way. And kindness that you don't need to agree with me for me to be kind to you. I can just be kind because that's what the Spirit wants to do. And goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. Some, some Christians are the most non-gentle people that I know. Gentleness is not a sign of weakness. Meekness is not a sign of weakness. Meekness is power under control. That's what the Spirit wants to do with His people, that we would be gentle and that we would have self-control. And it says, against such things, there is no law. Can you imagine if this was the law of the land in Montreal? Love, joy, peace, patience, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. It's like, do these things all day long. This is, this is our opportunity as a church. This is how we get to be called to live in our city. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We're not going back to that way of living. We're going to live this way. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. See, real freedom is hard to imagine. A city like that is hard to imagine. And yet, we have a God who rescues people literally shackled to guards and sends them on their way. We have a God that takes spiritually dead people like me and like you and resurrects us. And one day we'll physically resurrect all of those who are followers of him to experience a brand new creation, a restoration, a shalom, not just a peace, but a real shalom, a harmony between all things where evil and sin and death will be no more. And Jesus says, don't wait for that day to live out that freedom. Start now. You're that free. Your chains are gone. It's amazing. So we're going to pray for that type of freedom. We have it. We're going to pray that we live lives of that type of freedom. All right?
All right, Dwight, someone's with me. What would that city look like? What would that city look like? It would look like Jesus is everywhere. A city, a free city would look like Jesus is everywhere. You know what they said in in the the city? I thought I was done. I'm not done. Um, You know what they said about the people in Antioch? All kinds of different cultures and, I mean, I'm amazed, like looking around, all kinds of different cultures and colors and languages, like this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. And this was the type of thing that was happening in, in Antioch. And when people looked in, I think there were 27 different uh, cultures that were, that were known in Antioch at that time in the first century. That didn't happen. That was breeding ground for war. You had like curtains and sheets and walls separating everyone from one another. But not with people who were following Jesus. They were all coming together regularly, praying together, sharing their stuff, sending people out, giving away houses, like crazy stuff was happening. And they said, what are we going to call these people? And it was in Antioch where they said, oh, those are little Christs. It's like Jesus is walking in Antioch everywhere. That's what a changed city will look like. That there are Jesuses everywhere. And that he's working that stuff out through you and I. In our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our families. Man, I want that. And that's not going to happen because we put on a really big program or an awesome Sunday service or we have a big band or we do. It's going to happen through normal, ordinary means and relationships and situations. It's going to be explaining patiently across a dinner table with someone about how Jesus hijacked your life and how you're learning to submit to things that you didn't even know you wanted to submit to a few years ago or a few days ago, right? It's you patiently explaining who Jesus is and what he's done and praying for them that their chains would come off and that they would see who Jesus is, that they would submit to him. This is what a changed city would look like. I want, I want that city. I want for Montreal to become the most reached city in, in all of the world. Not so that we can boast about that. I'm tired of talking about Montreal being one of the least reached cities in the Western Hemisphere. But I want, I want to brag. I want to brag on God for doing that. I want to boast on him because it's not going to come because you and I get serious about stuff. That's not how revival happens. I've never read a book on revival where it's like, I don't know, Evan and Dwight had an awesome staff meeting and look out, like things happened. It's like, that's not how things work. The PowerPoint was killer this week and people were just sharing the PowerPoint with everyone. I don't even know what we use, right? So out of touch. Um, It comes because people want Jesus more. Like, I want you more, Jesus, than I want fame. I want you more, Jesus, than I want money. I want you, Jesus, more than I want accolade. I want you, Jesus, more than I want safety. I want you, Jesus, more than I want a spouse. I want you, Jesus, more than I want kids. I want you, Jesus, more than I want anything else in this world. Jesus, I want you. Freedom. I want freedom in you and make me so free that I live like I have nothing to lose because that's actually true. You have nothing to lose. God the Father has you in his hand, and he will not let anyone take you from him. You are free. You are free. 
Let's, let's celebrate that this morning. Jesus, thank you that we are free in you. Thank you that you accomplished what we could not accomplish. Left to our own uh, account, at best, we would be trying to live a very disciplined life to show you how worthy we are. At our worst, we would be trying to destroy everything about you and scrub you from this earth. We would be like little Herods. And yet you came and you, you saw us and you chose us and you've forgiven us and you rose for us and you're with us. You are the Emmanuel, not just as a baby, but you are forever the Emmanuel, that you are God with us, Jesus. And it's so good that it's not just God with us, Jesus, in the same room. It's the Spirit now dwelling in every follower of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I want to pray that you would raise affections for Jesus right now in our hearts. That you would cause for our hearts to explode with joy. That there would be this relational harmony between us and you, God. And that you would cause us to celebrate out of that not just because that's what someone's telling us we should do, but because we feel that to be true and that we would feel the, the freedom that we actually have and that we would look at any shackles we've put back on ourselves and we would just take those off by the power of the Spirit, drop them and walk away from them never to return. Thank you that we are more loved than we can even believe this morning. Thank you that we are more free than, than the Scottish of the 14th century could ever be. And we are more free than we can even believe we are. And help us to, to acknowledge, to, to receive, and to believe and help our unbelief in that area this morning, Jesus. We love you and we need you. Amen. We're gonna, we're gonna respond. Um, we're gonna respond three different ways this morning. Well, four different ways, actually. We're, we're gonna pray at the, at the end of our time. So we're gonna respond in that way. We're going to respond by giving as well. Um, what Evan didn't share as well during the, the, the time where you're sharing about finances is um, when God captures the heart of his people, his people become a ridiculously generous people. We, it, it becomes hilarious to give, to give stuff away. It's like, what would I even use this for? Right? I want to give this away. And so as a church, we're one church in four different locations. So it's not like the numbers you saw were just on, on our shoulders. But sometimes maybe you hear giving and you're like, oh, okay, that's what I'm supposed to do. I have to do. It's like, no, we get to do this. We get to do this. We get the resources from God and we have the opportunity and privilege to get to give his stuff so that his mission goes, goes forward. And I love that. We, as we've looked in the book of Acts, God could, have, God could do this by like dropping money somewhere in a field, right? Literally. He could cause for a, uh, a bank truck driving by churches to explode every Sunday morning and we just have to walk out and collect the money and it's like, that's it. But that's not how he chooses to do it. He chooses to steward his stuff to his people and then say, I want you to be generous, and I want you to be generous as you understand who I am. Don't, don't just give because you have to. Give because you get to, right? And so we get to give. And there's a way to give online, church21.ca, give. Or there's a, a box in the back. Uh, we're going to sing in just a second. Um, but we're going to take communion together. And I want you to stand for this.
This is a celebration. So often, uh, we, when we take communion, um, we, we, we can become very somber, and I understand it's a time of reflection sometimes, but other times, it's an opportunity to toast. And, and we lift, and I wish that we could have big glasses full of wine this morning. Instead, we get a micro shot of grape juice. It's going to have to do. One day, though, we're going to be invited to a great feast. Let me read about this feast. On this mount, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food, full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all people, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that, we, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So as we take this today, we're going to be glad. We're going to be glad. So go ahead, open that top. One day, we're going to pass around ribs, probably. Or the best veggie burgers you've ever had in your life. Today, we have a wafer. I'm, we want to imagine that day that's coming. And that day that's coming is coming because of the day that came when Jesus said, this is my body broken for you, but don't worry. I'm going to take my body back up again out of the grave. So take this in remembrance of him. See, when we frame it well, that wafer just tastes better, doesn't it? And then careful not to spill on yourself. Raise this to King Jesus. And pray with me. King Jesus, we don't deserve anything that you have purchased for us. But because of your blood being shed for us, we are free. We are free. And one day, face to face, we're going to celebrate with you. We're going to do a little Irish jig or we're going to try our best dance. I don't know what we're going to do in front of you, but we're going to celebrate. And so this morning, Jesus, we raise a toast to you remembering what you have done on our behalf. So we thank you, Jesus, that you are alive and death is never going to touch you again and death will not have the final word in our lives. And because of what you've done with your blood, we are free. We love you. Amen. So take and drink in remembrance of him and the freedom that you have. Now, I like slamming down those things. Now, let's sing our guts out like we're actually free people. <laughs> freedom.
can take a seat. This is, this is what's true. This is what's real. This is our firm foundation, Jesus Christ. This isn't something we're hoping that will come to pass. This isn't something we want to be real. This is real, guys. This is Jesus Christ. This is our hope. This is our resurrection. This is our life, and we can have this now, today. So, Lean into that as we break into the groups. Before we do that, I just want to thank everyone that is joining us online, the live stream. We don't have um, a planned group afterwards, but if you guys online want to coordinate with each other, I encourage that to meet on Zoom or something. Um, but that's the end of the service. For you guys, we're going to send you out. So thank you so much for joining us live stream. Have a great day. Uh, and now for the rest of us in this room, uh, I think every...